0: You're listening to the Woman Who Chat podcast with me, your host, Sandra Garlick. A podcast where I chat to women in business who share their knowledge and their business journey, including their top tips, especially for you. But not only that, you'll hear their inspirational stories too, the real authentic version. Because life and business is actually a roller coaster. I'm the founder of Woman Who and I help you to power up your personal brand and get visible. I teach you the simple steps to get where you want to be. I help you to find your story and create the opportunities for you to share it confidently on stage, in print, and in other media. I'm delighted to bring this podcast to you each week to inspire and motivate you so that you can achieve in the future. I'll be sharing my knowledge, insights and stories too. Enjoy this week's podcast. Woman Who Chat is sponsored by Grow Radio. Grow Radio is an online radio station dedicated to bringing you a different podcast on the hour, every hour. I'm proud that Woman Who Chat is played on Grow Radio every Tuesday at 3 p.m. and Friday at 8 a.m. and to be part of their podcasting community. If you want to listen to the station, explore their shows, get your podcast onto Grow Radio and check out many of the blogs to improve your podcasting skills. So head over to growradio.uk today. Welcome to Womanhood Chat, and today I'm chatting to Jessica Weeks of Hannah's House. Hello, Jessica. How are you? Good morning, Sandra. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Tell us a little bit about Hannah's House and and why you started it.
1: So Hannah's House. We're a bereavement charity who support families who had any kind of pregnancy born after the death of our second daughter in 2017. We had her for 57 wonderful minutes um, and while it was devastating you know, about nine months after she died somebody said to me she had a life that was full of love that she knew that all the hugs and the cuddles of everybody who came to see her and meet her in this short time on her own. so she had a life that impacted so many and it's still continuing now. And so, what brought on? What
0: made you start Hannah's House itself? How did that come about? And what are the aims of the
1: the organisation? A diagnosis at my 12-week scan with um, Amelia that she had um, two neural defects, two neural tube defects, one of uh, being spina bifida, and she had anencephaly, which was the the main driver with her not being with us today. Um, And we were given lots of options, and they used lots of really insensitive terms like "incompatible with life." But we decided to continue with the pregnancy, and she did live. So, but it was my heart's cry that my pain wouldn't be in vain. So after she died, we did just did a little bit just to support other charities that were were already existing in the region. And then we, then I went on to have another two miscarriages after Amelia died. So by the time I was pregnant in. Early 2018, with my eldest son. I was a woman on the edge. I was really anxious, but I couldn't really find anywhere to go. So I worked with the bereavement midwives at the University Hospital in Coventry and we set up the Hope Group. So that really was the first iteration of Hannah's House. And it was for uh, mums who found themselves pregnant again after having any kind of loss. And I really found that the words and the encouragement of people who had gone before, who'd already walked the walk and understood. What it meant to have lost and then to be pregnant again, uh, and so we were. It was really making an impact, and people were really finding a safe space. And then COVID hit, and so all the resources were taken away, which was right because there were a lot of people who were in need. But it was one of the things that was seen as a nice to have. So I set about setting up our own charity, who could put, help support. Families who already had existing children. So I think sometimes it's seen as, oh, well, you've already got children. So what have you got to be sad about? But actually, it, it changes the way that you parent. It changes the way you think about the children you have. And now that I understand about the children that come afterwards. So our main aims are supporting parents and helping them to parent their existing children and any children that they have after their loss, and also supporting mums and their families through their pregnancy after loss. But we do also look after um, mums who've had, it's their first loss. So whether that be a miscarriage or stillbirth. So we have a group for them as well. So everybody's welcome at Hannah's house. So it's that place of coming in to find your place of refuge and people don't stay forever. People kind of dip in and out. And I really like that imagery of it being a house because you go there and it's not the place you stay forever. You come and go. And that's how people access the support that we're able to give them.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And I think, you know, when you suffer a baby loss or or any kind of loss, it's knowing that there's other people around you that if you say walk the walk or can share just those little nuggets that can help you get through each day. And I think that's the challenge, isn't it? You think almost you're the only person in the world that this is happening to right now. So what do you offer? Is it sort of conversation? Is it support groups? Is it how do you
1: deliver? We have a monthly face-to-face group for our parents and their preschool children and then for their older siblings during the school holidays. We meet on the fourth Tuesday of the month and then we offer um, peer support um, and that can be face-to-face after an initial conversation on the phone. We can do that online or face-to-face or by phone whatever we can tailor it for whatever that mum or the family needs we do offer services for dads but I think men find things a little more difficult so we we're there for them or we can signpost them to the other charities who are more geared up for talking to men on a on a level that they find easier and in ways that they find easier but then we also offer something called the grief recovery method and that can be face-to-face or, again, in a group setting. And we do, uh, one of my favourite things to deliver is the Helping Children with Loss group, and that's part of the grief recovery methodology, Um, and it's helping parents or professionals, so teachers, sports coaches, um, faith leaders, to equip them to support children through their loss. um, My eldest daughter, Hannah, was two when Amelia died, and as well as, Coming to grief terms with our own grief and loss we then tried to try and explain the death of a baby to a two-year-old and a lot of the adults I know really struggle to have those conversations so as explaining it to a two-year-old was really it wasn't difficult but it takes time you know the, the way that I'm talking to you now Sandra you can't talk to a preschool child that way you know they call it puddle jumping they come and they go and they deal with the the subject and then they go away again and then they come back so it's also about uh, getting the equipping the parents with resilience because it's a long process it is it permeates the rest of your life you know Amelia is very much at the forefront of our family on those special occasions she has a place at the table but if people find that difficult people find that difficult to manage so we help our families have that little bit of strength to be able to talk about their daughter. So I have three uh, children living with me now and people ring and say, well, what are you doing for their birthday? And, And you're making plans. But I've noticed now six years on that less and less people ask what we're doing to celebrate Amelia's birthday. And that's where we as Hannah's House can step in and we will celebrate with families for all of their children, whether they're here or whether they're in heaven. And I really I'm really thankful that I, she's given me that ability to walk through some of the worst times that families will ever go through.
0: I'm briefly interrupting this podcast. Have you ever watched a speaker on stage and thought, oh, I'd love to do that one day? Have you wondered how they stand on stage and speak without notes so confidently? Do you wish that could be you? Then you need to attend the One Day Speaker Bootcamp on Sunday the 5th of November in Warwickshire. It's a day packed full of content and you'll walk away with a blueprint for a keynote speech that you can deliver confidently on stage time and time again. Book your place at womanwho.co.uk forward slash events. There's also monthly payment options available. Now, back to the podcast. I, had, I mean, it, it's, I, I've suffered a baby loss in a different way. It was during pregnancy. And I found that the hardest part was People didn't want to talk to me. They avoided me and they avoided the subject because they didn't know what to say. So rather than saying, Oh, I thought you were pregnant. Where's the pregnancy gone? Or did you have the baby or anything like that? They just didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I bottled it up as well because at that time there wasn't a lot of resources around. So Mm -hmm. I felt it just became a taboo subject that nobody would talk about it and it would just not exist and, and it never happened, although it did. So how do you get over that, you know, encourage people to, you know, if you know somebody who's gone through uh, baby loss or child loss, how do you encourage them to actually
1: approach the subject or, you know, is it right to broach the subject? I think it's always right to broach the subject. I um, I think my friends and family like be a little bit sick talking about it, but uh, I'm here on my soapbox and uh, I, I will Because they need a voice, those mums, especially in the aftermath of the loss, whether that's, especially in England, we're really bad about talking about death. And Sandra is literally the only certainty in life. It is. And the death of a baby seems to be something that is really taboo. And I would like to say it's getting better. And it is. But not to the level that the bereaved families need to be able to talk about it. So I'd say, if you know, somebody who's had a miscarriage or a stillbirth, a neonatal death, or, you know, we also have a, um, a few families who have had older children who died and talk about them. Ask, you know, everybody, everybody has a birth story. Um, and whether that baby is still with us or not, doesn't mean that that mum doesn't want to share their birth story. And actually out of my four births, Amelia was the best. It was just so peaceful and no, she's not here. I still like to share her story. And in that instant, when you get the positive pregnancy test, you have all of these hopes and dreams. And when the baby dies or if the baby dies, you just need someone to still be able to share them with. So if your friend has had a miscarriage, just say, I'm here for you. I'm really sorry that it's happened. And don't shy away from them. But they also might not reach out or respond straight away, but just keep going. You know, just keep checking in with them because they are reading your messages or you know, getting your gifts. So yeah, just keep going with them because they need you. That's great advice. How do you pick yourself up? You know,
0: some days I imagine you're not feeling great. Other days I imagine you're always smiling whenever I see you. How do you do that? What drives you? What keeps you going? What keeps you
1: motivated? I have a great support network. I have a wonderful husband who is there to say, you know, maybe take a little break, but I will say that when, just after I had Daniel, so we had him in at the end of 18, and then he was about 18 months and I'd gone back to work, uh, and then COVID hit, and one day, I said, "Mom, I wish Amelia was here to sit with us and eat dinner, and I uh, quietly excused myself from the table and came up to my bedroom and collapsed. The heap on the floor and all of the things that I didn't want to deal with that were a little bit painful. I had packed away in a neat little box for the last uh, couple of years and they unraveled. And thankfully, my friend who runs another charity in Warwickshire rang me literally within hours. I really believe it was a divine intervention and offered me 12 weeks of counselling. And she said when she was in that stage of her loss, she really felt like she needed the help. And I was so her. I swore at her, I don't swear, Sandra, I said, I don't need any help. There's nothing wrong with me. And the bedroom door opened and Andy popped his head in. He's like, you OK? I said, yeah. And I said, Charlotte, just offered me this counselling. There's nothing wrong with me. He said, are you sure? (laughs) I was like, yeah, it's fine. And I, you know, I stomped around and went to sleep and I huffed and tufted and turned all night. And in the morning, I rang her back and I said, I think I need some help. And so I spent 12 weeks unraveling all of the things that I hadn't dealt with and processed because there were a lot of things in Amelia's diagnosis that meant she wouldn't have survived birth, you know, or getting past 20 weeks. And there were a lot of things that healed themselves while she was in the womb. And so she did live, Um, but that brought with it a lot of you know, hope that was unmet because, you know, she was going and I was like, well, you know, maybe this is going to jump around and it didn't. As the way I had expected it to, but she is still here with us now. But my counsellor said, You'd make a really good counsellor. And it was like the third time I'd heard it. And I was, So I did actually, I've started my uh, counselling qualification. So I'm a, I'm a level two counsellor now. But something that she taught me is that at the end of each session, you have to kind of clean your sword. There's a scene in The line which is in the wardrobe, where one of the kings cleans his sword after the battle and leaves that there and so when I am working with a family I need to leave those emotions and that empathy that I've given with them there so that I can protect myself and take care of my family and so I I get up each morning so we have three young children and I have my journal and prayer time and that is my time to focus on what I'm doing but I've also learned to see the signs when I am getting tired so baby loss awareness week is in October and I always do a lot of public speaking and and it's a lot of emotion you hear lots of stories and I've learned to filter in and book two days in like go to a spa get out in nature go for a walk and so I'm learning how to protect myself and to deal with myself uh, that way but I I know that Amelia is in heaven and I will get to see her again get to spend eternity with her so that is a big driver for me as well to be able to share that story of hope with other families and that it's not the end that baby loss is not the end that I think what I did was that I shut down everything because I didn't want to deal with the the hurt of daring to hope again because you have to deal with the loss in order to be able to hope again and it is the tagline is dare to hope because it hurts to be able to deal with those feelings so that is why I'm able to get up and keep going every day um because I know that her pain hasn't been in vain and that I cannot tell you the amount of people that I've known for years and years like people in my family in fact my nan at Amelia's funeral told me about a sister that became between my mum and my next auntie you know obviously I've known her my whole life and no I didn't know about her but she said to me and it is something I think about every day don't make this loss make your heart hurt Jessie. She's the only one who can call me Jesse. Just don't make it your hard heart. And I really think about that, that it can this loss can kind of let you have a bit of a bitterness, like why me? You know, you hear stories about people who treat their children so badly and you think, Well, I love my baby, why me? But I'm not gonna let that bitterness dwell or fight, you know, I'm not I'm fighting it. It's not something that I'm taking on board. And if I can help mums just one step on their healing journey then it's worth it
0: that's fantastic and it's right what you say you know you don't know what families don't disclose it's my grandma I think have 13 pregnancies but only eight children you know in in those days it wasn't talked about you know they just got on with it and went on to the next one they, they never mm-hmm. ever spoken about so it's yeah. that you're doing a great thing uh, the awareness I think more than anything uh, that there is support out there And that there is somewhere for people to go and you need to talk about it. You need to. to We grieve for our elderly relatives when they die, but we don't openly talk about younger relatives when they die. So, you know, it's really interesting concept. I could talk about this forever with you and we're going to get you back and do another podcast where we delve a little bit deeper into bereavement but in the meantime is there anything you would like to leave our audience with a piece of advice or a tip
1: or something you could leave them with that just as a thought I think my advice would be to just to keep going I think you have if you've suffered any kind of loss that you have already survived the worst day possible so you're still here so just to keep going. And actually, in the days after Amelia died, someone said, don't worry about the rest of the day or the week, just get through the next hour. Just think about what you've got to do for the next hour. And that really helped me because I had enough. I could get through the next 60 minutes and then I could think about the next 60 minutes. So just keep going. And there are places to go. There's Hannah's House as a place of refuge. Just reach out to us. And it doesn't matter how long ago your loss was. There's, I think there is a generation of women who have, long ago bereavements because you're right Sandra, it wasn't talked about so yeah we are we're the place for you to reach out to and You'll find love and non-judgmental support
0: thanks today i've been speaking to jessica weeks from hannah's house thank you for being here thank you Thank you for listening to the Woman Who Chat podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Join me next week for more inspiration, learning and top tips. In the meantime, visit womanwho.co.uk to find out how you can start your Woman Who journey or even feature on a future podcast. You can also join the Woman Who Achieves community on Facebook. The link is in the show notes. There, you'll get the opportunity to network, find support and make new connections with over a thousand women in business don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's podcast. And if there are any topics you would like to hear, just get in touch with me, your host, Sandra Garlick.